Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you here with us. Today we got uh, Rob Croyle. Grace and peace to you. Oh, that was... Look at you. <laughs> that was so good. And, and and me, Logan. I'm here too. Hello, of. Logan. Uh, just the two of us. Just the two of us. Hello, Norm. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, another afternoon session, so beware. Beware. Buyer beware. All right. You're, you've been warned. So, yeah, this week, discipleship moment, diving right in. We wanted to talk about the prayer. Not the song by Josh Groban, but yeah. the prayer in Philippians that you talked about on Sunday some. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking when uh, when I talked about prayer, my wife has actually looked at the idea or the concept of prayer for for a couple of years, and there's a lot of great ideas out there on what prayer should look like. There's there's some great books out there. There's uh, some other interesting ideas, uh, ideas that I'm not sure they have any scriptural basis, so uh, I find that interesting. In particular, uh, when there's some thought on prayer when it comes to spiritual warfare and, and those kinds of things, and what, how do you pray in response to spiritual warfare, I think there's just some uh, interesting and or scary thoughts on on how that should be approached. Sure. But we were looking at the uh, first section, the first stanza, as it were, or vignette. Vignette. Of uh, Paul's letter mm. to the Philippians. And and he talks about their partnership in the gospel and how he who began a good work in them would continue it, his affection in Christ. And then he says that he, he prays that their love would abound, their knowledge would grow, their discernment would increase, that they would become pure and blameless. And these are the kinds of things that Paul is praying for, for the Philippian church. And I just it got me thinking about what influences me when it comes to prayer and what influences you as a follower of Christ. You know, who do I pattern that after? And hmm. And uh, one of my first memories of someone teaching me how to pray was my grandmother, my mom's side. Her name was Josephine, but we called her Nini because my oldest cousin couldn't say Josephine and she could say Nini. And so we all called her Nini. Little story. Uh, but my grandmother, she would grow a garden every year, whether she lived in the house that she was in for 40 years or lived in an apartment complex. She still had a garden. Hmm. And when I would help her plant the garden, I was probably six, seven years old. I remember being pretty small. But I remember being on my knees in the garden, taking my finger, poking it in the ground, putting a seed in there, and then praying for that seed with my grandmother. And that was my first memory of someone teaching me how to pray. Hmm. She also taught me to ask for God's help when I lost something. If I if I lost a, a ball playing in her yard, she would say, well, let's stop and pray. No. Oh, okay. 
Again, I'm not much older, seven, eight, sure. nine. And I still picture myself in her big old yard and and praying with her that God would help me find it. And, you know, hmm. I would find whatever I was looking for and something Pavlonian was taking on, taking form there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, Logan, influences for oh, you for prayer? I don't even know. This is a great question, and I wish I had a great answer for it. Uh, I don't know. I, I remember praying as kids, like when we were kids, we would pray. Sometimes we would remember to say grace before dinner. Most of the time not. Let's be honest, the dailies have never been known for that. We're usually eating late and rushed, and we, you know. You still carry on that. Oh, I, I carry on that tradition. I I am so bad about well, one I eat late, <laughs> two I am bad about remembering to pray before meals, as is culturally uh, acceptable. Um, yeah, I do. I, I my favorite thing I ever learned in college was uh, I think Marty was teaching one Sunday and mentioned that the uh, Jewish people like to pray after the meal. Because it's right. harder, it's harder to remember to pray after the meal when you're content. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I picked up on that, and that became my go-to excuse for not remembering to pray before meals. And then when people are like, "Oh, we didn't pray," I'd be like, "I pray after the meal." <laughs> and I think it's in <laughs> Deuteronomy eight that says, "When you have eaten and are satisfied, mm-hmm. you shall bless the Lord your God," which is where the yeah. Where the Jews get that, <clears throat> which is good. I like that. That's a good. Uh, I think it's a cool philosophy. But culturally, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb when we're hanging out with a bunch of Christians. Refer to the John Christ video on whether you should pray before or after this, you know, coffee or whatever. But uh, that's a pretty funny video. But uh, praying wise, huh. yeah, coffee. Uh, that's a funny one. Like, do you pray before the coffee? Do you pray before breakfast? Brunch? Do you pray before brunch? Do you pray before snacks? I don't know. It's it's a whole thing. You can look it up. It's hilarious. Well, and if you pray before coffee, I bet it's a different conversation than after coffee. I Ooh, mean touche. You know, like giving Hammy uh some <clears throat> some caffeine. Yeah, like before it's a very slow, docile prayer, and then afterwards, you know, you sound like a chipmunk, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, depending on how much caffeine's in that coffee. Um special, no, I, special coffee there. Mm, special coffee. Yikes. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. There's not a lot of prayer habits, and that makes me... I, my parents are good people, I promise. Um, so is my <laughs> grandmother. Like, they don't suck, I promise. It's just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge... Who, it wasn't a huge thing. Who have you listened to within the last few years where when they pray, you pay attention? Uh, um, I don't know. It, the, I don't know if there's any one specific one that sticks out in my mind, but there are various people. Yes, Lord. That <laughs> 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 was that a notification from the Lord. <laughs> but uh, no, or, I don't, I or, don't think or my there's son. any <laughs> or your son. There's <laughs> a message from the son. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know if there's any one specific one, but I, I, for me, at, at some point, 
I don't remember when it it shifted at some point and because growing up praying was more of like you you'd always like at one point I thought I had to tack the Lord's prayer onto the end of every prayer so you know God help me find this ball our Father who aren't in heaven hallowed be our like it was very almost Catholic maybe how I was treating that um at some point it shifted away from that and I don't remember why I think I realized like oh that's kind of dumb um like god doesn't need that and then at some point it became much more of a um like why wouldn't you just have a conversation with god and so my prayers definitely shifted to be much more conversational um yeah i like that in manner uh yeah which I, I like that. And for me, that, that seems, it feels right. It seems right. Like, I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't need to dress it up in sort of, you know, you, you, hear, you hear people pray and they go into like King James speech. Sure. And all of a sudden they're speaking with thou's and these and Lord, we beseech thee. And you're like, what? You don't speak like that. Shut up. <laughs> that's just not, <laughs> that's not a, like, what, 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 why, why are you doing that? Um, like, that doesn't help God hear you. Um, it, it, it's least antithetical to what Jesus says, you know, when he starts off with Abba Father. Sure. Which is a very guttural like that, child, the, like the language dad. of a child. It's like saying dad. Like, Yeah, if you call, if you call your dad Papa, if that's what you grew up with, yeah, then, that's what... then you're invited to call God Papa. So... I, I don't know. It, for me, it feels that way. There, there are times where I get. Um, I, I don't think anybody's actually ever. Well, no, that's not true. I have been called out once or twice for prayers seeming flippant. Mm. I didn't know if you. I don't. I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I tend to be a little bit of a flippant, not serious person in general when I speak. On a scale of one to sarcasm, you're twenty. Something like that, maybe that could be possibly true. <laughs> As a <clears throat> never, sarcasm was a ten. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're implying, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's possible if if and Logan was, was having a a real conversation and just you know speaking, you know, as I would to anyone else. Uh, and just conversationally speaking to God, that it might come off flippant to some people, or or mildly heretical uh, at some points to some people, um, just because you know, like that's that's just how I approach it. Which I I then I've 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 kind of at at some point I would have been like, yeah, no, that's just how I pray. Like deal with it. But then at, at other points it's like, no, okay, you're praying into a microphone. You probably should like, I don't know, speak like you're speaking to your grandfather, okay? Like, if your if your grandmother heard you pray this, would she be mad at you? Would you get slapped by a purse? Yes. Um, that's that's kind of the filter that I put on myself now. But like that, I don't know that, that for me, that's what praying should be. It should be conversation with God. Which I think those filters are are good in one sense that. Um, when we're leading others into worship, we have a responsibility to help them worship well. Yeah. 
I think there's a difference though when we're in an intimate conversation with God. Oh, for sure. That that could the if we're going to be real and honest before God, we need to be real and honest before God. And and um, you know, I've struggled in 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 my way of struggling in this particular area. At least the way I identify with what you're talking about is, I have have not always wanted to express anger to God. Mm-hmm. And and so you can't be you can't be mad at the creator of the universe. He's God. You can't be mad at him. That'd be that'd be terrible. I've been mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've probably said some swear words during during prayers. Um uh I I will admit to that this week. And uh <laughs> like, like that's that's well, a thing. Well, when you pray for me, you probably shouldn't have to do that, but you know. Yikes. The um no, I'm in my most honest Ross moments. Mhm. And and it wasn't that I didn't regret some of the things I said later and even say that, Lord, I that's not you. That's not I'm just mad about this situation. I, I think God gets mad about our some of our, some of the things that we face too. And sure. And um you know, the Bible talks about smoke coming from his nostrils and you know, and him writing on a dark cloud. Like a dark cloud, really, God? Yep. Mm. You know, and and the cedars breaking because of his anger, and like that is, sure, that is God, like with a holy fire, you know. Yeah, but you know, I was just thinking in terms of prayer, and are my do my prayers match those of the prayers of the men and women of the Bible? Do they? Uh, how much have I let culture? or even Christian culture influence, and even yeah. the question, do I pray before or after coffee? Do I pray before and after a snack? Do I, you know, like, I think John Chris is just really asking a question in a funny way. Why do we do what we do when it comes to our different forms of worship and expression towards God? And I think it's a great question for you to, to wrestle with if you are a follower of Christ, of why do you pray the way you pray? Mm-hmm. And and are we praying for the church the way Paul was praying for those he was discipling? Do we pray for those that that God has given us influence over in the same ways that we see Paul in his various letters yeah. praying for the people, the various churches, and and are you praying with them in that manner? Mm. Now that it, now you got me, you got me thinking about this. It's like I'm not sure my where I learned how to pray was uh, kind of a, a mishmash from a lot of different sources, which is looking back, kind of how I was discipled. Right. So if we're, if I'm, we'll use some I statements here. If I'm intentionally discipling someone, I should probably be intentional about teaching them how to pray. Right, right. I talk about why I pray about things, how I pray about things. Yeah. Not that my way is like the correct way to pray, but like teaching them how I pray and why why I do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not when we say we're discipling someone, that does not mean that we think we are the end all. Uh one, two, I believe that unlike Jesus and his disciples, discipleship for me is a two-way conversation where 
I'm learning from the person I'm investing in and they're learning from me. Like we're both learning. There's something I could gain from the people that God has placed in my life to invest in. There are some things that they already have a better connection with God on than I do, even though I may have been doing some of this longer. Mm -hmm. And so within the Christian community, there are these two way conversations that go and I learn from people all the time, you know, and the way they, the way they see something, the way, what they read out of the scripture. In fact, I love it when the person who's maybe had the least amount of time in pursuing Christ, when, when they share something in, in care group and it's a mic drop, <laughs> those are my favorite moments. It's like this person just taught everyone in the room and they've been following Christ for a year. That's fantastic. They just dropped some sewed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. If you don't know what that means, go find out what that means. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so anyway. Sewed on to the next thing. Sewed anyway. Uh, let's talk about the greeting at the beginning of the book of Philippians. Yeah. So the Apostle about Paul... That. The Apostle Paul takes a standard Greek and a standard Jewish greeting of that time, okay. and and he combines them, mashes them up, mashes them, and remix. does a double twist. Oh, shaken, not stirred with a twist. Uh huh. Uh huh. So <laughs> first of all, Greek letters would start off with some kind of greeting, and they'd use the okay. use the word greeting. Okay. And the Jews would take the greeting and they'd say greetings and peace from God our Father. So the Jews would already change that greeting okay. by saying and peace from God our Father. Um, but Paul changes that first word from greetings to grace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. That That change of that word from greetings to grace, it's a subtle change in the Greek because both the words have the same root. Okay. But it's a powerful change, especially if you're reading it for the first time, like, oh, oh, he changed the word. Hmm. And you and every letter that Paul writes, he starts off with grace and peace. Hmm. So wrestle with that. What does that mean? Why is that so important to Paul? And then the Curious. the second thing that he does is he adds uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to the greeting. So, again, the Jewish would be uh, greetings to you and peace from God our Father. He changes the first word to grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he puts Jesus on par with the Father mm-hmm. and is indicating that Jesus is part of our blessing. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of blessing is, um, from a Jewish perspective, it's this concept or this idea that when I bless someone, I'm obligating God to work in that person's life. Hmm. So when, when a Jewish person extends a blessing to someone... Um, and my understanding is they have a tendency to bless their children each morning. That that's a even today it's still common practice to bless their children each morning. Yep. 
before they send them off to school, mm-hmm. and they are, in their minds, obligating God to work. And there, there must be something to that because when you think about like uh, the the percentage of people in jail and and those kinds of things, statistically, it's it's less than a percent for Jewish people. Like the number is so small, it's st- statistically insignificant. How many Jewish people are actually, you know, compared to other and nationalities? Nobel, Nobel laureates and oh, man, hmm. yeah, how something s- small, small, small number of people. Something to be chewed upon. Yeah. So yeah, just a uh, hmm. curious grace, grace and peace to you. There you go. Yeah, it's a new greeting. I like that. That's nice. Two thousand years new, but two thousand year two thousand years new. You're so hipster, Rob. <laughs> He's in grace and peace after it was cool. <laughs> uh all right. Next on the docket. I'm I'm curious about this one. Uh Philippians chapter one, verse nineteen. And a connection to Job chapter 13. Yes. Yes. So the Apostle Paul uses a phrase. It's uh, it's a direct quote from uh, Job chapter 13. Um, I think it's verse 15. I've got verses 13 through 18 from uh, Job 13, you know, lined out here. But he says this. And uh, Philippians one nineteen, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full uh, courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So what is his deliverance? Christ being honored in his body. Christ being glorified is what is his deliverance. Now, this is a direct quote. If you look at the Greek uh, found in Philippians chapter 1, and you look at the Greek found in the Septuagint, Hmm. found in Job chapter 13, it says this, Let me have silence, and I will speak. And let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh, my teeth, and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, he being God, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. Job is talking about having an argument with God. This will be my salvation, that the godless shall not come before him, Keep listening to my words and let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. So Job's countering his friends. They're saying, hey, you must have some kind of secret sin. And he says, this will be my salvation. My acts of righteousness are Mm going to build will give me the ability to stand before the Almighty. And yet when we read Job later and God 
confronts Job directly, and God asks Job all kinds of questions, Job finds he has no answers. <laughs> like, what can I say before the before mm-hmm. the Almighty? Um, all I can think of here is Abraham. Tell me more. Well, so you, so Job is setting up to argue or to um, stand before God. And, you know, he's saying this is the way it is, mm. right? <clears throat> that first phrase. What was the first phrase that you read? This will be my salvation. Uh this will be. This will turn out for my deliverance. Yeah, like, yeah. This yeah, will turn same. out for my deliverance. Like in the this Greek, stuff, it's the same. Yeah, they just translate it two different ways. Yeah, yeah. And 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 in my mind, that immediately popped up the story of Abraham um, bargaining, bartering oh. with God. Oh, what if there are ten righteous? Yeah, if, before right as as after after the the sixty loaves and the 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 visitors. And then God is heading off towards Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot right. down there. And Abraham is bartering, saying, No, 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 no. You're not gonna you you're not gonna destroy the city. Like this is Abraham telling God who he is. Um you know. I th- this is it for some reason that just uh, that immediately popped into my mm. mind. I wonder mm. there there could be some connection there, possibly. Yeah. Um well, possibly some parallels, and it's just two different approaches. And in you know, I think it's one. It's good for us to remember that Job, in Job chapter thirteen, is a different guy. By the time you get to the end of the book, I mean, like God uses this to teach him about himself. Like, what yeah. does God value? What is God like? Like, like Job is already in a relationship with God, apparently. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he has everything in his relationship with God figured out. And so so don't judge Job too harshly in this. But in this moment, Job is thinking, it, my righteous acts, God surely is going to take notice of these things. Sure. Paul takes a different approach. Paul says, my deliverance is Jesus glorified. When people celebrate Jesus for who he is because of the things that I choose to do and how I choose to live, that is what my deliverance is. And that, like, that is a very different, that is a much more humbler approach, I think, to the whole conversation. Sure. Instead of, hey, look at me, look at me, look at what I've done, it's, man, look at what these people are doing. They're celebrating Jesus. I am. Hopefully God takes notice of that, that that out of my life other people are, are celebrating Jesus for who he is. That mm. that is uh you know, and as a pastor, I'd love for that to be my story where where people look and go, Man, after so many years on this earth, people sure wanted to celebrate Jesus because of who Rob was. Yeah. That'd be a good ep- good epitaph. That would be all right. Put that on a gravestone. Yeah. On the more ancient of days. The more ancient of days. <laughs> Zing. Zing. That on my good. face app photo. Oh man. <laughs> that Woo! was that was rough. That was scary. 
Oh. Please, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> uh, speaking of dying to gain, uh, let's talk about to live as Christ, to die as gain. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel like this is a verse that gets quoted a lot, maybe. I'm thinking of a Toby Mac, Extreme Days song that definitely had that in there. Um there's a lot of cool hip t-shirts when I was in high school, mm. you know, the Christian t-shirts that would have plays on this or something like that. I remember um, a lot of, a lot of subculture really latched onto this sort of concept. Um, we didn't, you talked about it some on Sunday, but we didn't talk about it a ton. No, no. So let's talk about this a little bit more. Uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. What do you think, uh, Paul? What was Paul leaning towards at this point? Dude, I think he wanted to die. Yeah. Like, when when you're reading this section, and, and it continues on a little bit, um, a little bit further. <clears throat> yeah, the, the one... The, the, next, the next phrase that he says, something like, and... and I'm hard-pressed. Uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. This is verse 21. 22, if I'm to live in the flesh, this means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, or which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Yeah. Which, like, this makes it sound like, like, good old Paul, the Apostle Paul is deliberating, like, kicking the bucket here. He's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fold in. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kick the bucket. Um, I don't want to go suicide, maybe, but, you know, he's just gonna, the will to live has left him, possibly. He's like, I just don't, I don't, I don't even know if I want to go on anymore. Like, I just, I just don't even know. I'm locked up in prison here. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it would be too hard to die in a Roman prison. That'd probably be pretty easy. Probably would require some will to live. So to give up on the will to live, like it's, you know, probably not a great graduation rate, you know, from the Roman prisons no. at that time. No, uh, they. It was not a. It was not a uh, cupcake. It was not a uh, picnic. I don't know what a cupcake would have to do with. I don't know. It was definitely not a cupcake. There was I, no cup. There was no I, cupcakes involved. I, I agree with you. <clears throat> Your assessment um, is honest. I don't know. Cupcakes seemed like something soft and fluffy. Um, <laughs> they start out that way. But th- this is definitely Paul. Like this is the this is the some glad morning when my life is over. Like it's like Lord Jesus, take me now. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've sat with some folks when they were within the last hours and, um, Bob's mom, I think really Bob Schmidt's mom really wrestled with this. Like she wanted to Mm. be around for her grandkids. You know, she wanted to be around for family, but she was also tired. Sure. She was so tired, and um, she asked me to pray for her. And I sense what you're sensing that Paul, you know, he'd been he'd been shipwrecked a couple times. He uh, he'd been stoned, you know. Uh, who knows how many times? And you know, I mean, stoned like throw big rocks at you. You're laying there, not moving anymore. They think you're dead. They go yeah, at away. At one point, they threw him out into the garbage dump. Right, like. They're like, let's drag him out to the city dump because he's dead. He's dead. So, you know, hit hit by enough rocks that <clears> when <throat> you fall down, 
the assumption is you must be dead. That happened a number of times. You know, you don't re- your body doesn't recover from that. And no. some of some have suggested that that Paul had to have someone else write his letters because his hands were so deformed hmm. from from all these events. So, you know, I have a little bit of arthritis. I'm 49. I have a little bit of arthritis, and there are times where I, it it's awful. Hmm. You know, um, add add 20 years, add that face app. You know, picture to the, <laughs> and that's your whole body. Yeah, not, not just the way your face looks, but how your body feels. Yeah, and, that would um, uh, that would do her. And he suffered for Christ. He was told that he would suffer for Christ, mm-hmm. and he suffered for Christ. And I think for him to choose to live is actually, it's the harder of the two, probably. It's the harder of the two, like, and he kind of says that. Kind of says that because in uh, uh, verse twenty-two, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Right, and then he says, "Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. Right, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Yeah." Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all, for your progress, or continue with you all, for your progress and joy in the faith. Yeah, I take from this that... um, Like, dying's the easy road here, but I'm going to choose the harder thing because for me to stay alive is going to bear more fruit for the kingdom right? and will serve Jesus better if I stay alive longer. Yep, as long as he gives me the ability to move forward, I'm going I'm to do that. And that that is some gumption. That's some chutzpah. And both of those things, like he's, his view on life is really balanced by the resurrection really is something that anchors him. Mm-hmm. But also living for God's glory and understanding that that's not my call. Like, don't touch the Lord's anointed. You know, David said that to his mighty man. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. Don't touch Saul. Mm. Mm. And so Paul's looking at himself like we should value the life that God has placed in us. And as long as God wants us to continue, we should do all that we can to live out that design. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I don't know, that's kind of the, this goes back to the some glad morning of that, uh, it's, it's not like being saved is not, oh yeah, heaven's, heaven's going to be great someday. And we just focus on that. Like that's not, it's not the point. No. It's not the no. point of following Christ. And if that's yeah. like, there's nothing wrong with that saying, yeah, no, heaven is going to be great. Like, that'll be Absolutely. awesome. And yeah. Paul is acknowledging that. But that's yeah. not the point. Yeah. There are days I don't, you know, my, my, the way my body functions today versus 20 years ago, it bothers me. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> we are in agreement. I was so much better when I was eight. <laughs> 
Oh, I thought you were talking about my body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, uh, the way your body functions really bothers me. <laughs> all those trips, all those trips to the oh, restroom. Gosh. We can't take a road trip ever. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. Uh, uh, I just fast from from fluids. It's a fluid fast. It's, a, it's okay. <laughs> oh man, that is not okay. <laughs> Oy vey. Rob's dehydrated, but we're getting there. <laughs> right. We're not stopping every twenty minutes. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, we'll just my to know that over the next twenty years, like my body will operate less and less optimal mm. over time. I'm already not as, my body already functions less optimally than it did 10 years ago. And over the next 20, 30, 40 years, it will continue to decline. I'm not as optimal as I once was, but I'm as optimal once as I ever was. Yikes. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I can look at that. And let that define how I'm going to live for the next 40 years. Or I could choose to look for ways to live in such a way that other people celebrate Jesus as Christ. Yep. Yeah. Instead of worrying about that, just worry about, am I pointing people to Jesus? Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Fruitful labor. There you go. Let's do that. Fruitful labor, just as long as it's not, you know, big fruits. We want big fruit, not small spherical fruit. Right. None of that. No. Labor for small spherical fruit is useless. Yeah, no grapes for you. That's in uh, Levin Dictoronomy 23.3. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> uh, I think my brother will be the only person who gets that. It's fine. Anyway. Uh, glad to have you joining us on another episode of Footnotes. Before we ramble any further, we're gonna just uh, we're just gonna cut it short right there. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. We'll From God you our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.